0: chapter sixteen of my life the story of a provincial by anton chekhov translated by constance garnett eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter sixteen in the evening she got ready to go to the town of late she had taken to going often to the town and staying the night there in her absence i could not work my hands felt weak and limp our huge courtyard seemed a dreary repulsive empty hole the garden was full of angry noises and without her the house the trees the horses were no longer ours i did not go out of the house but went on sitting at her table beside her bookshelf with the books on land work those old favourites no longer wanted and looking at me now so shamefacedly for whole hours together while it struck seven eight nine while the autumn night black as soot came on outside i kept examining her old glove or the pen with which she always wrote or her little scissors i did nothing and realized clearly that all i had done before plowing mowing chopping had only been because she wished it and if she had sent me to clean a deep well where i had to stand up to my waist in deep water i should have crawled into the well without considering whether it was necessary or not and now when she was not near Dubetchnya, with its ruins its untidiness its banging shutters with its thieves by day and by night seemed to me a chaos in which any work would be useless besides what had i to work for here why anxiety and thought about the future if i felt that the earth was giving way under my feet that i had played my part at Dubetchnya, and that the fate of the books on farming was awaiting me too oh what misery it was at night in hours of solitude when i was listening every minute in alarm as though i were expecting someone to shout that it was time for me to go away i did not grieve for Dubetchnya, i grieved for my love which too was threatened with its autumn what an immense happiness it is to love and be loved and how awful to feel that one is slipping down from that high pinnacle masha returned from the town towards the evening of the next day she was displeased with something but she concealed it and only said why was it all the window frames had been put in for the winter it was enough to suffocate one i took out two frames we were not hungry but we sat down to supper go and wash your hands said my wife you smell of putty she had brought some new illustrated papers from the town and we looked at them together after supper there were supplements with fashion plates and patterns masha looked through them casually and was putting them aside to examine them properly later on but one dress with a flat skirt as full as a bell and large sleeves interested her and she looked at it for a minute gravely and attentively that's not bad she said yes that dress would suit you beautifully i said beautifully and looking with emotion at the dress admiring that patch of grey simply because she liked it i went on tenderly a charming exquisite dress splendid glorious masha my precious masha and tears dropped on the fashion plate splendid masha i muttered sweet precious masha she went to bed while i sat another hour looking at the illustrations it's a pity you took out the window frame she said from the bedroom i am afraid it may be cold oh dear what a draught there is i read something out of the column of odds and ends a receipt for making cheap ink and an account of the biggest diamond in the world i came again upon the fashion plate of the dress she liked and i imagined her at a ball with a fan bare shoulders brilliant splendid with a full understanding of painting music literature and how small and how brief my part seemed our meeting our marriage had been only one of the episodes of which there would be many more in the life of this vital richly gifted woman all the best in the world as i have said already was at her service and she received it absolutely for nothing and even ideas in the intellectual movement in vogue served simply for her recreation giving variety to her life and i was only the sledge-driver who drove her from one entertainment to another now she did not need me she would take flight and i should be alone and as though in response to my thought there came a despairing scream from the garden help it was a shrill womanish voice and as though to mimic it the wind whistled in the chimney on the same shrill note half a minute passed and again through the noise of the wind but coming it seemed from the other end of the yard help do you hear my wife asked me softly do you hear she came out from the bedroom in her nightgown with her hair down and listened looking at the dark window someone is being murdered she said that is the last straw i took my gun and went out it was very dark outside the wind was high and it was difficult to stand i went to the gate and listened the trees roared the wind whistled and probably at the feeble-minded peasants a dog howled lazily outside the gates the darkness was absolute not a light on the railway line and near the lodge which a year before had been the office suddenly sounded a smothered scream help who's there i called there were two people struggling one was thrusting the other out while the other was resisting and both were breathing heavily leave go said one and i recognized ivan Cheprakov. it was he who was shrieking in a shrill womanish voice let go you damned brute or i'll bite your hand off the other i recognized as moisey i separated them and as i did so i could not resist hitting moisey two blows in the face he fell down then got up again and i hit him once more he tried to kill me he muttered he was trying to get out of his mamma's chest i want to lock him up in the lodge for security cheprakov was drunk and did not recognize me he kept drawing deep breaths as though he were just going to shout help again i left them and went back to the house my wife was lying on her bed she had dressed i told her what had happened in the yard and did not conceal the fact that i had hit Noisy. it's terrible to live in the country she said and what a long night it is oh dear if only it were over help we heard again a little later i'll go and stop them i said no let them bite each other's throats she said with an expression of disgust she was looking up at the ceiling listening while i sat beside her not daring to speak to her feeling as though i were to blame for their shouting help in the yard and for the night seeming so long we were silent and i waited impatiently for a gleam of light at the window and masha looked all the time as though she had awakened from a trance and now was marvelling how she so clever and well-educated so elegant had come into this pitiful provincial empty hole among a crew of petty insignificant people and how she could have so far forgotten herself as ever to be attracted by one of these people and for more than six months to have been his wife it seemed to me that at that moment it did not matter to her whether it was i or Moisi or Cheprika everything for her was merged in that savage drunken help i and our marriage and our work together and the mud and slush of autumn and when she sighed or moved into a more comfortable position i read in her face oh that morning would come quickly in the morning she went away i spent another three days at dubetchnia expecting her then i packed all our things in one room locked it and walked to the town it was already evening when i rang at the engineers and the street lamps were burning in great devoryansky street pavel told me there was no one at home Viktor ivanitch had gone to petersburg and maria Viktorovna was probably at the rehearsal at the ajogins i remember with what emotion i went on to the ajogins how my heart throbbed and fluttered as i mounted the stairs and stood waiting a long while on the landing at the top not daring to enter that temple of the muses in the big room there were lighted candles everywhere on a little table on the piano and on the stage everywhere in threes and the first performance was fixed for the thirteenth and now the first rehearsal was on a monday an unlucky day all part of the war against superstition all the devotees of the scenic art were gathered together the eldest the middle and the youngest sisters were walking about the stage reading their parts in exercise books apart from all the rest stood radish motionless with the side of his head pressed to the wall as he gazed with adoration at the stage waiting for the rehearsal to begin everything as it used to be i was making my way to my hostess i had to pay my respects to her but suddenly everyone said hush and waved me to step quietly there was a silence the lid of the piano was raised a lady sat down at it screwing up her short-sighted eyes at the music and my masha walked up to the piano in a low necked dress looking beautiful but with a special new sort of beauty not in the least like the masha who used to come and meet me in the spring at the mill she sang why do i love the radiant night it was the first time during our whole acquaintance that i had heard her sing she had a fine mellow powerful voice and while she sang i felt as though i were eating a ripe sweet fragrant melon she ended the audience applauded and she smiled very much pleased making play with her eyes turning over the music smoothing her skirts like a bird that has at last broken out of its cage and preens its wings in freedom her hair was arranged over her ears and she had an unpleasant defiant expression in her face as though she wanted to throw down a challenge to us all or to shout to us as she did to her horses hey there my beauties and she must at that moment have been very much like her grandfather the sledge-driver you here too she said giving me her hand did you hear me sing well what did you think of it and without waiting for my answer she went on it's a very good thing you are here i am going to-night to petersburg for a short time you'll let me go won't you at midnight i went with her to the station she embraced me affectionately probably feeling grateful to me for not asking unnecessary questions and she promised to write to me and i held her hands a long time and kissed them hardly able to restrain my tears and not uttering a word and when she had gone i stood watching the retreating lights caressing her in imagination and softly murmuring my darling masha glorious masha i spent the night at karpovna's and next morning i was at work with radish recovering the furniture of a rich merchant who was marrying his daughter to a doctor end of chapter sixteen recording by expatriate in bangor maine